Welcome to AM Best Audio. Welcome to this AM Best TV special presentation. With specialization comes great responsibility. I'm John Weber. Emerging risks and a changing world are forcing agents and brokers to change with the times as well. In recent years, there's been a trend towards specialization. Insurance professionals essentially becoming experts in the industry they're providing coverage for. While often good for business, it's added a whole new level of responsibility and obligation for these specialists to their clients. Our panel of experts today will be discussing that responsibility. Those panelists are Jeremy Hitzig, founder of Starfish Specialty Insurance, Martin Wien, Senior Counsel Wilson Elsner, where he represents professional liability insurance carriers, Joel Cavanis, President of Risk Placement Services, and Christopher Mee, Assistant Vice President and Team Leader at Aon Cyber Solutions Group. And Chris, we're going to kick things off with you today. What's the complexity of a specialist? Yeah, John, I really find the complexity of being a specialist starts with the complexity of the coverage that you're placing itself. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll use cyber insurance as an example because that is my area of specialization. When we look at that line of coverage, there are eight to 10 different insuring agreements that can address a breadth of different losses arising out of cyber events. Some policies or quotes can include supplements for some of those coverages. There may be co-insurance applicable to certain coverage provisions. And when we talk about co-insurance on this line of coverage, uh, it can mean different things, again, depending on the insurer or the policy form you're using. Um, and that really comes back to another point that's important to talk about. These, specialized, these uh, specialist lines of coverage, they don't utilize standardized ISO forms in most cases. So you're talking about varying terms and conditions depending on the insurer you're using. Um, and something even as simple as the choice of which breach vendor may be available to your client on a cyber insurance policy can have real implications to whether or not they have coverage in the event of a cyber incident um, and the extent of that coverage. What that comes back to is, you know, clients don't know what they don't know when we're talking about specialized lines of insurance coverage. So our job as a specialist, it's twofold. It's not just effectuating coverage on behalf of your client, but a lot of it's education. Uh, you need to be able to bring them up to speed on what uh, what the exposures are for their specific industry or client segment. Um, and along with that, ensure that you are counseling them appropriately when you're placing that coverage on their behalf. Yeah, John, I'll actually take it take it maybe a, maybe a step further from a wholesale perspective. Uh, all, all the things that he mentioned are, are vitally important, of course. Um, but I'll take it one step further as far as a specialist, uh, you know, specializing in a niche. All those things are important, but you also have to uh, understand and hopefully know in the marketplace when you're placing the insurance, who's the best insurance company to place that particular risk with. And it might be because of specialized claims handling. It might be loss control or in cyber event, obviously, you know, security uh loss control, other things. So it's not just knowing the coverage that exists, but knowing the best partner to place that particular risk with. So just taking it maybe one step beyond where he went, uh, you know, it's, it's a big marketplace out there and, you know, some carriers certainly are better than others. And, uh, you know, spreadsheets sometimes don't do it. You actually have to get down and make sure that people understand uh, because the insurance, the premium or the coverage is only one piece. Uh, you know, where the rubber meets the road is when you have a claim and who's going to handle the claim in the best interest of you. 
Yeah, I, I just like to pop in on that too and say that uh, in reading all of the insurance publications, it seems like every day or every other day you see another market that pops up that's coming into the market, uh, into these specialized markets. So it's it's a continuing duty, a continuing uh, chore to keep up with what new uh, forms and new coverages are coming in. So, Joel, as a specialist, do you have an added responsibility to your clients that a generalist might not? Yeah, I think, uh, John, I mean, as, as we mentioned, uh, you know, this is ever-evolving. Uh, the marketplace ever-evolves, the coverages ever-evolve. And I think, you know, as a specialist, if you hold yourself out to be a specialist, uh, it's, it's your job to make sure that you're staying up on all of these changes that continually occur. Uh, nobody likes surprises. Uh, and I think that if we hold ourselves out to be a specialist in any particular area, that we all owe it to the people that rely on that uh, expertise to keep ourselves razor sharp in all the changes that go through. Yeah, I think when you think about that uh, question of uh, greater responsibility, um, sometimes people don't like to take on greater responsibility, but I think of it in, in this way as it relates to specialists in, in our world, uh, we invite that responsibility. We, we are here to uh, be particularly knowledgeable in and around space, a coverage, uh, and so forth. And so uh, it, it may be greater responsibility, but it's it's welcome and it's part of uh, the way we're, we're structured and operate. Well, if that's the case then, Martin, is there an increased liability in being a specialist? Well, the short answer is yes. Um, and it it comes down to um, the different standards of care that are applied to agents and brokers and specifically um, uh, specialists. Uh, on the one hand, uh, most states uh, impose what's called an order taker standard uh, uh, of care on agents and brokers, um, uh, which means that they have to um, uh, only uh, follow the specific requests and instructions of their clients uh, as to what uh, coverage is there to procure. Uh, it's a reasonable standard of care uh, to the extent the, uh, of course, the agent uh, or broker properly documents what's requested, and that's that's paramount in in any line of insurance business that is properly documented. Uh, but on the other hand, there's a higher standard of care for advisors. Uh, those who provide advice and counsel to, as to what coverages should be obtained by the, uh, the client. And that, that specifically applies to um, agents and brokers who are specialists. Um, uh, the uh, agents and brokers who have a special education or experience uh, in specialized areas and give advice to, uh, uh, to their clients in those specialized areas are held to a, a standard uh, that is higher. Um, uh, there's a, a California case uh, uh, that stated that a specialist uh, had a, uh, quote, heightened duty, unquote, uh, to present and explain insurance options uh, uh, to clients. And that, and uh, I'll quote this because I think it's important, evidence of specialization at a minimum creates a presumption the agent broker anticipates their clients will rely on their acknowledged expertise and supports courts imposing an extended duty, unquote. Uh, this is uh, clearly an expression of, of uh, the way the law is looking at specialists, which is that they have a heightened standard of care because they are specialists. 
Uh, and I also would point out that there's also a, a higher standard of care and duty uh, where there's a special relationship. And that's a phrase that's used in case law uh, between the agent or broker and the client. Uh, this usually arises where there's a, a long professional relationship with a client uh, uh, as well as, uh, as giving advice to the client as to the coverages uh, uh, beyond what the client um, uh, is requesting. Uh, uh, so, uh, short answer again, uh, there is definitely an increased potential liability for specialists. Thanks, Marty. And we're going to explore that just a little bit more in a minute when we come back, the possible legal ramifications for the specialist. This is AM Best TV. We're back, and we were talking to our insurance specialist experts, and as mentioned before we went into the break, we'll be discussing the legal ramifications of specialists. Perhaps we should start by asking, are specialists essentially fiduciaries for the insurance industry? Jeremy, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a really interesting question, uh, especially as it pertains to the world of MGAs and program administrators. From a regulatory standpoint, a managing general agent is actually a defined uh, business type of which the majority of uh, programs and MGAs actually are not. They, they don't uh, fit the definition from a regulatory standpoint. So the vast majority of program administrators and MGAs are actually organized as insurance brokers. That actually uh, complicates, from my perspective, uh, the discussion around uh, uh, fiduciary responsibility because um, the key to it, from uh, my perspective, is the relationship and the contractual relationship between the MGA and the insurance company. And that relationship, that contract, uh, empowers the MGA to underwrite uh, as a delegated underwriter for the insurance company and establishes a relationship and a fiduciary relationship between the MGA and the insurance company. So uh, notwithstanding the fact that from a regulatory standpoint, many MGAs and, and program managers are organized as brokers, the fiduciary relationship actually relies with the insurance company. Can I hop in just uh, for a legal point, and that is uh, the term fiduciary is uh, one which has been uh, used in various different contexts over the years in the legal community, and uh, as you are aware. Um, uh, and to the extent that there is a contractual relationship um, uh, and there is a, a legal duty to um, act without negligence and all, that not doesn't necessarily connote a fiduciary responsibility. But as I was saying before, where there's a special relationship, where there is a relationship where the client is relying on you, whether it be uh, the carrier and the MGA or the, the broker, the agent or broker and the client, that gives rise to a fiduciary duty where there's a reliance by one party on another due to uh, that relationship and the special expertise or ability that one of the parties has. Chris, what are the implications of misrepresentation to a specialist or by a specialist? Yeah, John, I look at this generally from two lenses. The first is a little more qualitative. Uh, and that has to do with your reputation for professionalism within the marketplace. Uh, the insurance industry simultaneously is very large and very small and uh, clients will talk. So if you are purporting to be an expert within a specific industry class, within a specific line of coverage, 
and you consistently fail to deliver the types of results that a specialist should deliver to your client or customer, uh, that's going to become known very quickly. Uh, and that can have implications on your business. The second really gets back to what Marty was talking about. And it talks about the, um, you know, comes down to the higher professional level of uh, the higher professional standards that you can be held to as a specialist when you talk about education and advice, in addition to the disclosures you have to make when you're placing these, special, these specialized lines of business on behalf of your customers. If you are not counseling them correctly, missing coverage that is incredibly relevant for them within a certain line of business, providing inadequate coverage and failing to give them appropriate advice on what they should be purchasing as a part of that uh, consultative process, all of that can have real financial implications. Um, it goes even further when you think about educating clients on the implications of signing applications or filling out warranty statements, something that specialist agents and brokers have to become familiar with because our clients look to us for that education in addition to the execution when we're placing that business on their behalf. Joel, you have some thoughts on that as well, I'm assuming? Yeah, you know, insurance has become very complicated. And I think that... Um, you know, the days, the, the old days of one person being able to execute on a, uh, on a, on a customer's um, vast needs in the way of insurance, uh, you know, a lot of that's gone by the wayside. And so you need to be able to bring in uh, specialists, people with expertise, uh, people that you can rely on and count on to be able to give that that counsel uh, that we were all just talking about uh, because it's very difficult to be a cyber expert today uh, and then you're a, a specialist in crime or fidelity or uh, property or casualty or DNO or whatever it might be uh, that a particular insured customer might need. And so you really do need to, to rely on experts in the field to provide you with the best possible outcomes for your clients. And again, it's not about premium. It's about making sure that the insured is purchasing the kind of protection that they actually do need. So I think, you know, the, the evolution of the business is going to continue in the same fashion. Uh, and as more complicated risks of the world, uh, you know, evolve, uh, you know, we weren't talking about cyber insurance. 10 or 12 years ago. Now we're talking about it most every day. And uh, so other risks as the world changes uh, will continue to evolve and we'll have to have specialists that lead the way in making sure that we're selling insurance and actually will respond in the right fashion. Can I uh, just pose a question? Uh, what you say is, is incredibly relevant uh, and true. But does that mean that um, an agent or broker must rely on specialists uh, in order to service a client that has increasingly uh, uh, diverse needs now in this market? Uh, it used to be that you needed DNO and and uh, general liability. Now you need uh, cyber, EPL, DNO. Do you have to? Um, sort of rely on the specialists. Uh, it can't be a, if you are a generalist, uh, you, you have to seek out that expertise. My particular view or my particular thought, I would tell you that it depends on the risk. Uh, you know, some, some are more plain vanilla than others uh, that maybe don't need the kind of, of nuances that we've all talked about. Uh, but the more complicated the risk, yes, I believe the more expertise that maybe if you don't possess it, 
you need to go and quote unquote, find it, buy it, rent it, whatever it might be uh, in, in the individual complexities of the risk. So, yeah, I think that if you it's like anything else, you can't play quarterback and at the same time be a wide receiver. So you need to have teammates, whether those are, again, uh, part of your team, part of a rented team, uh, or however you want to put your team together to be able to bring the best athletes to the, to the field to actually provide the best total uh, outcome for, the, for your client. Martin, with that complex risk that Joel is talking about, have we seen legal action against specialists? Uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, and unfortunately, or fortunately, depending upon your view of it, um, uh, the, the legal actions generally um, uh, rise from, uh, from allegations by the clients against the agents or brokers that they either failed uh, to advise them of what coverage should have been obtained or uh, failed to explain to them um, uh, what they should uh, consider, what, what, uh, what is covered um, or um, uh, what is not covered uh, before a loss occurs. Um, as I mentioned uh, uh, before, uh, where there's a special relationship uh, with a long-term client uh, uh, that the agent or broker has, has given advice to over the years, uh, the liability can be even further heightened and cause litigation, which we've seen, uh, because the agent or broker has a special knowledge of what the needs are of that particular client, having dealt with them so long. Um, uh, clients typically argue that uh, they relied on the agent or the broker uh, because they didn't have any insurance knowledge uh, uh, with respect to the coverages. Uh, and, and on that basis, they didn't read the policy or, or if they read it, they didn't understand it. Uh, that sort of undercuts a defense that's been available to, um, uh, to agents and brokers over the years, uh, which is uh, uh, state law, uh, case law that uh, an insured is is generally re, uh, held to have read and understood the coverage that they they've received, but that is not necessarily true uh, where uh, you have that special relationship or you have a specialist uh, at, who in fact knows more than even the generalist about those specific areas. So uh, again, short answer: uh, there's been a, a substantial amount of litigation. Uh, against specialists as well as generalists regarding uh, the fact that uh, uh, there are areas of insurance law that are uh, uh, not as well known in the area as, uh, as, as others. Um, specialist lines as opposed to, uh, to personal lines. Uh, it, it, it's clear that there are areas that uh, many agents and brokers have no uh, real knowledge of other than the fact that they've heard about it. Thanks, Martin. When we come back, we'll explore what clients expect from their insurance expert partners. This is AM Best TV. We're back, and we're asking the question, are client expectations higher for specialists? Jeremy, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yes, I, I think so. Um, and let me tackle that uh, question from the, my vantage point as an operator of a program specialist. Um, we hold ourselves out as specialists uh, to the industries and in the lines and classes of business that we underwrite. And as specialists, we develop uh, and tailor coverage, pricing, underwriting guidelines, and so forth around the particular risks that we're uh, ultimately insuring. Um, we've talked a lot about sort of price and coverage and making sure the insured gets what they need. Uh, there's a broader question too about how one actually 
uh, goes through the process and, and it includes much more, uh, including uh, things like loss control and specialist claims handling and so on and so forth. So um, at, at the end of the day, uh, when you put together a specialist kind of offering as an MGA or program manager, um, you're trying to solve uh, for the best possible experience end to end. And uh, the anticipation on the other side, the client expectations, I believe, are much greater. They, they expect that the right coverage is in place, the right loss control, claims handling, and so on and so forth. Joel, based on what we just heard from Jeremy, do clients hold specialists to a higher standard? I think, you know, any, any time that you, again, of course, hold yourself in, 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 in a high regard in a particular area, uh, and they rely on your um, advice, uh, certainly people, you know, insurers or customers would naturally hold you uh, more accountable for what the, uh, for what they get. And, you know, we've kind of talked a lot about, you know, that. Uh, of course, you know, there, there's an expectation when there's a claim that everything should be covered. And I think realistically, we all know that that's, that's not the case. There are exclusions on policies. And even though something may or may not happen, you know, it's, it's of course unfortunate, but you, know, you can't cover everything generally. And uh, so there, you know, there are times that people get unhappy because something's not, uh, not, not covered. Uh, because I think we all agree, uh, everybody probably in the audience that follows insurance or has ever read an insurance policy, it's a tough read. Uh, you know, if you if you if you lie to me and tell me you enjoy reading insurance policies, I'm I'm probably going to try to hire you uh, to to read all of our policies. But it you know people do hold you up highly responsible, but at the same token. Uh, I think we all know that there are exclusions that uh, customers don't understand. They don't understand why it exists. And of course, as we talked about also, it's an ever-evolving uh, marketplace where coverages do tend to come and go uh, depending on the marketplace and the circumstances and the types of claims that uh, you know we might be in, in that specialized area. Yeah, John, you know, when a client is engaging a specialist, this goes back to what we had discussed just a few minutes ago. They're looking for more than just the procurement of insurance at their direction. They really are looking for someone to give them that, to serve that role as a trusted advisor and fill in that knowledge gap that they that they have in order to address this new and evolving risk, whatever that may be. Uh, so I absolutely agree. Clients do have, uh, you know, they have higher expectations and hold specialists to a higher standard. And I think rightfully so. Being that that's the case, then Martin, how do you counsel these specialists? Well, uh, aside from telling them not to make any mistakes, um, uh, the first thing I, I say in terms of a specialist is don't oversell or exaggerate your special knowledge or expertise. Um, and uh, what, what's been said here during our discussion is that there are so many things that uh, are going on in terms of the market um, it's very difficult uh, to, to, to make a, a, a statement that you know all about an area. Uh, there was a recent article I read uh, that uh, particularly pointed out um, agency websites that had language uh, that overstated, uh, that appeared to overstate the level of, of uh, expertise uh, and, and experience and scope of knowledge that the agency had. Uh, 
if we, there's a claim on uh, these websites, what's stated in the website can be very, uh, very detrimental to the defense of a claim. Uh, second, I would, uh, I would certainly tell the agents or brokers uh, to make sure they're, uh, uh, they're keeping up to date with respect to uh, uh, what's in the market, the types of coverages, and what uh, is happening in terms of um, uh, uh, claims that, uh, that, uh, and disputes with respect to what's not covered. Uh, if, uh, to, to make a, uh, an example of something that's been, fairly, that's been common over the last couple of years, um, uh, all of the litigation that has taken place with respect to COVID and communicable diseases. Um, it's, uh, it was a specialized thing. Nobody understood it. Uh, but um, a specialist in a particular area may um, uh, be accused of not knowing that in a particular area, let's say hospitality, having a communicable disease coverage is important. So you have to be up to date as to what the not only what's what you already know, but what are the trends? What's happening, and and how can you protect uh, your clients on a going forward basis? Um, uh, then I, I would I'd also and I, I advise this all the time. I would strongly suggest that everything that you do be documented. Uh, if you're for, uh, discussing with your client as a specialist and as a fiduciary and as an advisor, um, what coverages uh, that you suggest they get, what's, uh, what, what's in them, uh, what's not in them, uh, and what um, uh, you think uh, in terms of the levels of, of, of coverage, the limits, documented uh, on a contemporaneous basis so that it can't, you can't be accused later of not having uh, given that advice uh, or having given the advice that was valid, but the client comes back and said, well, you didn't tell me that. So documentation is paramount. It's been so easy today with uh, emails, electronic um, uh, memos, um, everything can be stored. You don't have to worry about paper files and a flood in your basement. It's important to document everything. So um, uh, these are some, some suggestions on how I would counsel a specialist. Beyond that, Joel, do you think some of the problems could be averted with continuing education in a particular industry segment on the part of a specialist? Yeah, I think, you know, as I said earlier, you always, you know, you, if you're going to hold yourself out to be, a, you know, a, an expert on anything, you have to stay up with the education, you have to change, you know, stay up with the evolution of the coverages, stay up with the insurance companies that are writing this coverage, and then so that you're able to adequately present the solutions to the customer. So I think that always continuing education is certainly a, a great solution. And as we as he talked about, as far as writing and in our in our company, we talk about the fact that if it's not in this, if it's not in writing, it's not in this world. So let me just go around the table here very quickly before we close things out and ask each of you, since being a specialist carries such responsibility, is being a specialist a burden or is it an honor? Jeremy Hitzig, what are your thoughts? I think it's absolutely an, an honor. Um, as we talked about earlier, the world is getting ever more complex and uh, the world of insurance has to respond to that. And the right response is uh, through specialty and specialization. And uh, it, it's a great opportunity. Uh, and I, I feel it's an, an honor to be a specialist, even with the added responsibilities that come with it. Joel Cavanis, burden or honor? Uh, it's certainly an honor unless you're a, a specialist in the uh, 
buggy whip industry or something like that that, uh, that uh, really isn't relevant anymore, but I believe it's an honor. Chris May, what are your thoughts? I completely agree. It's, it's both an honor and an opportunity. Uh, you know, as we see these more complex risks need to be addressed by clients, there's a real way to uh, make your, you know, make a stake in the business by becoming that specialist, um, as long as you're willing to bear the appropriate responsibility that comes with it. Martin Ween, you see things from a different point of view, being a lawyer. Is being a specialist a burden or an honor? Uh, well, uh, I look at it both ways. Uh, uh, I think it's an honor to the extent that, uh, just like any other profession, if you see someone who uh, knows their field, who is an expert in their field, a specialist who knows that area, um, that commands respect. Uh, you talk to a neurosurgeon or you talk to uh, a, a, an a rocket engineer, an uh, astrophysicist, and they're, they're specialized in that field and they know all about it. That is uh, talking to someone uh, with great respect, uh, who should be respected. Uh, on the other hand, looking at it as an attorney who I've got, who is uh, tasked with defending the specialist um, against claims that they should have known more, uh, sometimes it's a burden because of the fact that they are held to a higher standard of care, as we've discussed. Uh, but overall, um, uh, I think dealing with specialists as, as, as a lawyer uh, is, is, um, is very good to the extent that uh, we can talk to them in their uh, their area of expertise, and they uh, they generally do know more about it than the the rest of uh, or the the general population of the insurance industry. So, um, uh, as a lawyer, I, I I guess I go both ways. <laughs> question. Okay, thank you, Marty, and thank you, panelists, one and all. This has been an excellent presentation by our panel of, of experts. Thank you, Martin Ween, Joel Cavanis, Christopher Mee and Jeremy Hitzig for taking part today. A full transcript of our presentation will be made available, as well as excerpts from today's conversation, which will be in Best Review Magazine. For AM Best TV, I'm John Weber. Looking to get the full attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms that will do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day. Find out more by calling AM Best Advertising Sales at 908-439-2200, extension 5399, and have a great day.